Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, check out shares of Nike getting knocked down after its earnings report. The company call kicking off right now. We'll bring you the very latest. Plus, Levi Strauss wowing Wall Street as it makes its public debut. That stock soaring more than 30%. We'll tell you what the gene dream means for the other unicorns waiting in the wings. We start off with the market rally. The Dow, S&P, and Nasdaq all up 1% today as a 10-year yield sits, uh, hits its lowest level since January 2018. But there is one group of stocks getting absolutely turbocharged, and that would be tech. The sector soaring oh, more than man. 2%. Just within striking distance of an all-time high, just less than 3% away. And now 30% from the December lows. The semis getting, uh, apps going absolutely wild. Check out Western Digital, Micron, NVIDIA. Apple also getting a huge boost, closing the day higher by 4%. So as yields come under pressure, is that growth trade back on? Can tech take us back? to new highs, guys. Well, it's clear people are going to reach. And then fundamentally, a lot of these stories absolutely make sense. Pete can speak to Apple. You know, Steve's talked about Amazon. I happen to think there's some names, though, that we don't talk about all that much that got throttled last year on the back of this China trade deal. For example, look at Lamb Research. Now, we don't talk about it often, but that stock basically got cut in half from the time that Trump spoke about this to December 24th low. Now it's starting to crawl its way back. In valuation, well, trades about the third of a valuation of like a Xilinx, for example, and with better earnings growth. So if you're looking for names that can accelerate to the upside on the back of this tech wave, I would look at like a lamb research here at these levels. Is this tech wave here to stay? I, I think the tech wave will have a lot more. I shouldn't say a lot more. I think we can get a little more gas or a little more juice from the technology companies. Uh, you know, we've been wrong about where this market's toppy, and I think you have a little more. Maybe you're in the eighth inning. Thanks you have to another Powell. inning thanks to Powell. Yeah. Well, um, by the way, Mr. Roboto is not some of Stick's Awful. best work. <laughs> this is not I, I about highlighting Stick's best work. It's about Mr. Roboto well, and the tech Well, but Mr. Roboto is the tech trader. Right. You know, I get the, Robots, what we're doing there. Tech. So, so anyway. Semi's up 3.5% today. Extraordinary move and maybe brought up by some of the most beaten up. But again, this comes after a move of 36% off the bottom. Um, look, if you remember what the market was like when we had very little growth expectation, we had yields getting somewhere or either really well below 250, but certainly even in the year early part of 2018 when we were between 225 and 250, what was outperforming? Mega cap tech. Mega cap tech makes sense in this environment because these are companies that also have an enormous amount of growth relative to their peers and in some sense can turn it on and off. So yes, I, I agree. Despite Mr. Roboto, um, <laughs> I would want to be in mega cap tech here. I continue to like the names as well. I mean, Apple's one of those names that absolutely has been on fire. I mean, this is a stock that was trading 142 at the beginning of the year. Here it is pushing towards 200, Mel. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And it seems like every week we hear from somebody else who's changing their tune in terms of either they're raising the price target or they're actually upgrading the stock itself. But today, Apple, again, had multiple different sources out there that coming out there, analysts raising those prices once again and focusing on exactly what they should be, in my opinion. Services, wearables, that's the place to go. They know 
know that the iPhone is slowing, but you got to look for where is the growth in these transitional stocks. Uh-huh. Look at Microsoft today. Satya Nadella now has been there five years. That stock was about $38 a share when he took over. He transitioned that company into something that they weren't. They were a little bit smaller, obviously, down there when you talk about where they were with cloud. But look at what he's done and the acquisitions. So he has spent money to get exactly where they want to be, and he's done an unbelievable job. And then you look over at the semis. I mean, when I look at Micron, I, we all looked at that report last night. We thought it was maybe modestly okay. Some of the guidance was pretty awful, Does that make you quite nervous? frankly. Well, I think it doesn't because here's why. When you have a report like they gave and the stock reaction is, right. hey, look, we want in because maybe it's troughing and we think the opportunity is still to the upside, the multiple is still incredibly low, right? So, But if you look at Cor- Corvo got an upgrade today and you go through those semis, they were absolutely on fire day. Xilinx, all yeah. these various names are screaming to the upside, and I think it's technology the, semis the, you the, can be is in. Is the question, if I may, is the question with an Apple, when you, you started are. off, the, when you started off yeah. your, your uh, statements with Apple, is there a reason for Apple to go back to pre-sell-off highs, or is this, we're finding a range for the mega cap tech? So the concern for Apple, right, before the sell-off was about China. The concern for Apple was about that high-priced phone. Do some of these concerns, do they truly get offset by this new streaming service, which they have yet to announce on Monday, which we don't know any details about, which Needham upgraded the stock on, which Wedbush raised its price target on. I mean, Apple was a pillar of strength in this tech trade today. For sure. Well, is there a reason for it to be this high? The reason is that the market sentiment has changed. And again, there's rotation into stocks where people know that the valuation makes enough sense relative to uh, where the growth is. Look, Apple's not going to give you anything extraordinary in terms of their streaming business. And nothing has changed. Look, China, um, if anything, uh, while I do believe that the data has bottomed, I, I don't think that the market for, for, for Apple phones in China is any different today than it was four months ago. Um, I definitely don't think that their services business is going to be something that's going to suddenly excite the people that were naysayers. I'm with Pete, I agree actually that the services business is in a decent place. But what's going on with Apple? Totally perception. Apple tends to overshoot in each direction. We let's got to a place forget. where every analyst on the street was out of this one. But let's not forget, I agree with the analysts, they're wrong all the time. But what what I when I look at the when I look at this company <laughs> though, and you see what's going on, Mel, I mean what did they do? Tim Cook said, hey look, we gotta cut these prices. We are too high. They did that, and suddenly things did change over in China in terms of they suddenly started to get a little bit more market share. It actually started to coming up. So I think that yeah, they, Pete, they that, at least that's reacted. My, that's my point, though, is we're back to November levels yep. in the stock. It's above its 200 day for the first time so is it since fairly November. Valued is it- so is it fairly valued where, where we all said that maybe there's a little more juice left with these tech trades? But- is, well, it was this coming at, to the, is this coming to the end for the tech trade, even though you have a little more juice? Is this a better time I to be lightening no, up? Go ahead. I, well, I don't, I'm not sure I understand that analysis. I'll say this about Apple. When I, I bought the stock after that sell-off, and I started to buy it on the way down. In fact, I have an average price of about $196. bucks. i am right there right now. Guess what? I'm going to still hold the stock because the reason I was buying it then, I, I also don't see what has changed. And I, I think the perception of Apple is one of these stocks that continues to overshoot in each direction. I think the market market now wants to take this thing higher, but that's not why I'm trading it. I mean, I think it's a fair question for people who, who are looking at this market thinking, oh, you know, S&P 500 is about 3% away from record highs again. So if we are to go back to these record highs, where were we at that time? Was global growth concerns, were they where they are right now? I mean, has, anything, has anything resolved 
for us to push past those record highs at this point? What is resolved? Well, I mean, we talk about it almost What's every different? night. What, what cha- well, I mean, the Fed is different. And the now every different. central bank on the planet so has become alone. extraordinary. It's, it's, it's very helpful, clearly. I mean, I think today's price, if you'd asked me, I thought what happened today should have happened yesterday. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, here right. we are. So it is what it is. But I think the fact that every central bank has done a 180 is really interesting. I also think that the market is now saying maybe there's a runway for a U.S.-China deal. I don't think so. But if you look at some of these names, you had, for example, I mentioned Lamb Research. That stock is nowhere near where it was when the trade tariff started March of last year. So if we get a deal, you could still see further upside in some of these names. If you, if you look back at it, so to, to bring this back to a macro instead of getting, and getting off of Apple, if you look at the last time the S&P paid a, a over 18 times forward multiple, you have to go back to the dot-com bubble. You have to go back to the 2000 to 2005. I'm not sure that you want to get that someone's willing to give an 18 plus. We're, we're nowhere near there. We're nowhere near there. No, but at 3,000 in the S&P, we are near there. So when we're talking about 2940 at all time highs, you're a blink of an eye away from that 3,000 number in the S&P. And my point is, do you buy the market now? Has have things substantively changed well, other than okay? The Fed? So you're bear, you're the bearish one. Do you sell into this market here, seeing that there could be 100 points on the S&P well, I think upside? The, the, what, what my major problem was that that made me turn. I said it weeks ago. If he stopped the quantitative tightening and he takes off all future future hikes, which all he did, all your dreams came true, Grasso. They did. They, yeah. they did. So I'm not I'm not saying sell it here. I'm saying you have. I did say eighth inning. I'm saying right. you have up to three thousand right. S and P. But when you think about it, why why are you paying the multiples on the market that we have not because, seen? Because because we paid we paid eighteen times current um, for when for was the last three out of the last I'm five about forward, years. though. So forward, it goes back well, to, to Steve, 2000. So what's, what's your earnings for the for the S and P in 2020? So if you, if, so you, if you say well, if you say 166 times 18, there's you get your number. My point is you well, you got to look back. You got to look back on forward multiples. And the last time we paid, was I, I would, back I would prefer to go recovery. back to the analog, which was a world where we didn't have extraordinary growth and the Fed was in in benign mode. We'll call mm-hmm. it that. Um, the market trade at a multiple that a lot of people had a challenge with, but then you get back to earnings yields versus is the 10-year, and you find that equity is the only place to be. Uh, the bottom line is we're at a 2-plus percent GDP growth environment. The U.S., I would argue, but certainly if you look at the global indicators, we saw the BDI index start to kick up a little bit. We're going to get PMIs out of Europe tomorrow. If anything, I think a lot of the European data for the short run, I'm not saying Europe's out of the woods. I'm telling okay. you, though, you with say, the set you out say of the picture, GDP. this is an environment where the market can rally. But you say 2 percent GDP as if it's a given. I don't think it's a given. So if I, if, that, if is I say, the, that is the GDP we're in right now. If going forward, if you look back, when we look back on GDP, because it's a backward looking forecast, we're not going to be at 2 percent. We came from 4.2 to 3.4 to 2.6. Part of the part of the Needham argument today was that cash that that Apple has. Right. And obviously the cash flows that they have. So, again, when you look at some of these tech names, let's go back to what we were talking about. You guys talk about valuations. How about everybody's talking about dividend chasing for yield, all that kind of thing. Right. Well, who has great yield right now? Microsoft's pretty good. Intel's not so bad. Apple, and they'll oh, continue to buy. Cap, big I mean, cap tech. Big cap tech. You go across, you look at the Cisco's and Oracle's of the world. 
they all seem to be humming along at a very nice pace. So I think there's opportunities there. And I still think there's upside in some of these names. And again, Cisco, what a great transitional company this is. Like Microsoft, like Apple, where they're moving themselves as big as they are, they are shifting very rapidly to a different source that's going to push them further higher. Yeah, we're going to need the tech. We're obviously going to need technology and probably materials because banks in this environment might lag now for quite some time. But, you know, listen, I've thought the market's going to roll over for quite some time. Clearly, it's wrong. Again, today's action should have happened yesterday. It doesn't matter. But you should be concerned, if nothing else, that the VIX is at levels that historically, historically over the last couple of years, has been concerning. And people, the complacency of October, early October, seems to have found its way back in the market now. I, I don't know. I think what's been driving the VIX is the fact the that Fed. people... The Fed. That's well, exactly it's the uncertainty. Right. It's, it's the Fed. It's the trade war. It's all those. I mean, there's so many things have been thrown at this market that it's amazing, actually, that the yeah. VIX is trading where it is now compared to where it was before. All right. Still ahead, we will have much more on this market rally and get the two stocks one top technician says are primed for a breakout. That's later. Plus, Nike sliding after its earnings report. The CEO is speaking on the company conference call right now. We will bring you the very latest. And from leggings to jeggings. Mean leggings. Uh, investors loving Levi's. The stock soars on its public debut. Is this just a taste of what we can expect from a flood of IPOs this year? We will explain. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. It was a sea of denim on Wall Street today as Levi Strauss went public. The stock soared in its trading debut, closing up 32%. Bob Pisani is down at the NYSE with more on this. Hey, Bob. It certainly was a day of denim, Melissa. Looked like a scene from Woodstock down here. The initial price talk for Levi Strauss, 14 to 16. Wait a minute, it priced at 17. It opened at 22, 22. That's a 30% pop, and it pretty much stayed there all day. A lot of happy insiders with this one. The timing was perfect. Plenty of pent-up demand because the IPO market was closed for four months. A strong start to the year for stocks, up 12% with the S&P. You've got an iconic brand, and you have most people considered a reasonable valuation. The CEO insists, in fact, their valuation was justifiable. I believe this is sustainable for the long term, maybe not double digits forever, but um, we've got we've got clear runway for growth across the categories that we're competing in. We're building share in our core categories and expanding to new categories. Last fiscal year, when we finished the year, our growth was really broad based. If you looked at it in the categories where we competed, we grew every single category. Demand's been strong. In fact, it was strong all day. Now, a good rule of thumb is if you trade 100% of the volume on the first day, that's an indication of strong demand. We did it. We ended with more than 120% of the volume. Don't expect this to happen with everybody else. There's a ton of stuff out there. 234 potential IPOs with a whopping $700 billion valuation. They could seek to raise upwards of $100 billion a year. That's the magic number, of course, because the old record was $96 billion in 2000. So who's going to buy all this stuff? And will there be a revolt when they put the prices too high? They're going to do that. You know that. Stay tuned. Waiting in the wings. You know them. Uber, WeWork. 
Palantir, Airbnb, Pinterest, Robinhood, Peloton. And after this debut, well, as you can bet, they're all going to be looking to push their valuations a lot higher. In fact, remember, Lyft, last funding round, $15 billion. Reports they're going to try to go for 22 or 23. That's what I'm talking about. Back to you. Is that a denim suit, Bob? <laughs> I left the denim home Damn. today. It, it, it was nice to see some people down here, but it looked like the whole floor was going to join a jug band in 1969 <laughs> at, at one point. It was cute. It was cute. You know, you guys know what I'm oh, talking about. You're always very dapper, Bob. Thank you, Bob Bassani at the New York Stock Exchange. So let's first talk about the IPO itself. Oh, Grasso, Whoa. look at you. Oh, I mean, Steve. I tell you, it's very comfortable on this desk with this denim. You guys should get like CNBC fast money. I like how you. I like how you pop the collar. Does the, does the collar come stylish. up like that, or do you, you have yourself? to wear it? Do you have to wear it. It looks way too cheesy wearing a flat collar with a. Way with too a cheesy here. wearing hold a flat collar. Cheesy. 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 This looks. Hold on a second. Okay. This looks cool. I feel like you're supposed I, to wear it. I feel cheesy. like I might look too good with this. You do actually. Right, look very right said Steve. Really. Anyway, really back good to looking. Levi. Does anybody yeah. want to comment about this stock? <laughs> yeah, well, if you're looking for a denim, well, first of all, in the United States, you've seen denim on the upswing incrementally, a smidge up, and you've seen it globally, a smidge down. So net neutral, basically, on denim, but Levi's is your denim play. It's the, mo- it's the most direct denim play. But if you go to an Abercrombie or an American Eagle, they're 30 to 40 percent denim. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a resurgence in denim, you could play it those three ways. It's too early to be shorting Lululemon on the, in the athleisure space Look, the only, based on a comeback of denim. The only person on this desk that's qualified to make fashion statements about anything's probably Guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, look so at is is look denim at the new athleisure? Is it the new something that, you know, now Does this is enough to, to warrant? Can't a mo- it be just denim? Because everybody wears denim. It, you're it wearing be, denim, too, I, I, Ashley. Sh- you're wearing... Yeah. Oh, oops, sorry. Those are no, wranglers. Don't tell anybody. They're they're gar animals. <laughs> guys wearing plain pockets, no? I mean the. Well, uh, yeah, I keep getting dragged into it. This poor guy's the doing nothing. The fact that I wear Levi's is track. an indictment on the company. It's you don't want me to be your target audience. Number one. Number two. Do you know who's a big fan of the show? S.E. Hinton. You know what she wrote? You know. The outs- he looks him. like he looks like Pony Boy or Two Bit oh, from the man. from the movie, right? It's None fantastic. of this is good. No, None it's a compliment. You know the one you. area that there is Thank some growth, you. and we 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 heard this throughout the day, but I think it's very important. It's just like when we hear from Nike, when we hear from Lulu, and everybody else. What are some of the other areas? What are the, uh-huh. the other verticals? Women. That's one of the areas right. for sure. And I think that's an area that. Obviously, it's not quite as penetrated right now, but potentially, I think that's where it really could go because that could be a growth driver, I think, going forward for there's, Levi. There's also sort of a casualization of the American workplace. I mean, we saw yeah. Goldman Sachs go business Like casual. me wearing jeans on Fast Money. Things are, hmm. exactly, things are moving in that direction away from some of the more formal You don't do that, attire. I don't, I don't do, do that, that either. No, I, you guys are... I don't know if they're getting the lead. I don't know if they're getting I'm not a jeans guy at work, man. Come it's just on. not the way it is. I feel like I see you wear go. shorts here. Shorts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no, absolutely no, shorts. Not, not righteousness about Not when he's on the hook, though, because you can see, see his yeah, legs. On the hook, then it shows For, for more on Levi's big public debut, head on over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. As the rate route continues, the traders are going yield hunting with a number of stocks sporting hefty dividends. Plus, CVS is getting in on the cannabis craze. They're going to sell weed, yo? Not quite, but they will be selling CBD. We'll tell you what it means for the pop trade. Much more Fast Money right after this.
What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. The 10-year yield sinking to its lowest level more than a year today after Fed Chair Jerome Powell suggested there would be no more hikes this year. Dom Chu's in the newsroom with more on the rate route. Dom. Well, government bonds, they are a booming Melissa. The 10-year note yield hovering right around that 2.5% level. That's the lowest level, by the way, in more than a year. Traders and investors have been bidding up prices for government debt by so much that yields not just here, but also abroad, are at these medium to longer-term lows as well. As low as the 10-year Treasury note yields are here, they are nothing compared to the next to nothing that you earn on 10-year German bunds. The yield there is four basis points four basis points, just four hundredths of one percent. Shorter maturities are negative yielding there. The 10-year Japanese government bond, or JGBs, are yielding negative four basis points. It's leading some investors to take another look at yield hunting on the stock side of things. The dividend yield on the overall S&P 500 is roughly 1.9 percent or thereabouts. But there are stocks that have now dropped in price to a point where those yields are a little bit more juicy, like Ford Motor with a 7% yield. The same with telecom and media giant AT&T. That's 7% there as well. Macy's is yielding 6%, and IBM has been on a near-term uptrend, but it still yields a better-than-market 4%. Now, of course, the big question, Melissa, is how healthy and safe those dividend yields are, but they could be a place to find some bigger income checks than government bonds if you want to take on that risk. Back over to you guys. All right, Dom, thanks. Dom Chu, back in the newsroom. Well, given this rate rut, we thought it would be a good time to go yield hunting. Oh, we love now, this Now, listen up, because oh. you guys get confused sometimes. Here's how it works. We'll use a name like IBM with a dividend yield of 4%. So if you're buying the name, you'll see that green target, meaning you are hunting the stock. You like it. If you'd rather let it fly away, meaning you don't like the stock, you'll see a red duck. Red meaning no, the duck will be taking off. Easy, straightforward. Got it? Probably not. Oh. Probably not. Guy, you're up first. Oh, well, see, that's not fair. Why? That's I like just, when you're in class. No, I, but I figured and, and you, and the, the, explanation, the explanation is right. fresh in your mind. Okay, fresh in my and mind. And we're going to use IBM, which is the exact stock I used in the example. So IBM. It, so you actually gave me the test before yes, the actual test. so that test. you can think about it. Okay, now, what do you say? Do you hunt it or do you let it fly? Ooh. The duck flies away with this one. I mean, fly, fly away. Put the little red duck on. I mean, this is now in a five-year downtrend. Now, the, the people that are optimistic will say, you know what? Last quarter in January was pretty good. They actually beat on revenue, beat on EPS. Maybe they've turned it around. But you're still in a five-year downtrend. You have no earnings growth. And I think people are pointing towards 
maybe they are going to be the name in blockchain, the way Microsoft became one of the huge names in cloud. Maybe IBM can turn it around. I don't think they can. I think Fly they can, away. and here's why. Uh, the, the one pushback I'd have, and I own IBM, but I... So I, you like it. I do like it. So hunting would, it. I would be... Hunting. Yeah, be, I'd be hunting this yeah. thing. Yeah, I got yeah. Look at that. It's right there. So the reason I like it, though, guy, is Red Hat. Right. I think of all the acquisitions, they've made mistakes all along the way for a long, long time, IBM. We know that they're an acquisition. That's exactly what they do. But I think this one's big. I think it's a monster. And they are positioning themselves now going forward. So because of that, I actually disagree with that. And usually I'm together with you, but not this time. All right. Okay. Hmm. The next stock here, Ford. Steve Grasso. I would hunt this one. Ooh. Huh? Nice. This, Strong this out of the one, eight. It's yeah. already up 13% year to date. I, I like it technically. I think it's, uh, I think it's constructive. And I also think that they're restructuring in Europe. They're quasi-restructuring here. I think the somewhat of the worst is over for Ford. You. See, I, I mean, I, I like autos, as you know, but as you also know, I like GM, and I let this one fly, fly and away. I know how to play fly, this game. Fly, and I look away. at it relative valuation. I look at the management team. I, I mean, the C-suite at GM is far superior. Most importantly, I actually think Ford has still some credit issues in there, so I let her fly. Mm, all right. We're going to move on to this next stock. Mm-hmm. at t It's got a fat dividend, Ooh, 7%. That's Pete Najarian. What do you say? I am hunting this son of a gun. And I'll okay, tell you what. Well, wait a second. You're not. Wait, no, I'm not, not on there. Fly I'm flying away. away. <laughs> so he messed it up. You totally Fly it away. You, yeah, I screwed okay. it up. You do not like No, AT&T. I'm not a big fan. And I'll tell you what. Okay. I know they've made some huge acquisitions, right? But these massive acquisitions give them a position now of their debt's like $180 billion. It's going to get better, Pete. They got $5 billion in cash. That's great. It's I going mean, to get better, and streaming's coming on. Right. There's a whole host yep. of And nobody's competing in that. But anyway, my, my reasoning behind that is I just think they are so, way too levered because of levered. that, and so I'm not into it. So, so, look, in an environment where basically money is free, isn't this great news for AT&T? Oh, and by the way, they pay almost 7%. I hunt this bad boy mm. because I also think that the sum of the parts in this thing finally can be measured. The deal is through. They, to me, also are making a major move in over the top. I love this. It's now. been streaming, streaming is better. Though. I got to yeah. tell you something. Everybody goes there, and you know what? When you lose seven percent in the stock, how's that dividend looking? Zero. Not so good. A lot That's of, not so good. We had a stock. lot of headwinds. I had a lot, lot of headwinds that seem to be clearing right now. I'm hunting it. I never said it officially. I'm hunting it. All right. I like the little scope thing, though. You do? That's the hunt. He's hunting. No, I'm not sure what. Pete's not sure what it means. To me, it means like is it a submarine? Like you put the periscope up. Maybe not the game that. should That's be called like. Metaphor. No, we're not renaming the game. It's taking this long for you guys I, well, to understand be, the basic sure concepts. We, we are not moving on from this. Last but not least, this is the last okay. stock here. Macy's, Tim. Yeah, I'm going to hunt this one, and and both to be consistent and also because I look at not this thing because of the yield. I think that's you know that's a, a gift for staying in a stock that clearly has some margin pressure, but also does not have the balance sheet issues that people saw. In fact, look at their debt. Their debt actually has been trading tighter. Um, I like Macy's as a turnaround story that's taking a long time. You know what? What I was thinking was seriously, <laughs> we could change it to if we call the game like the hunt for Red, Red October, October. Yes. And, right? And then you could have. Sean Connery could be one of the guys, right? And Pete and I could actually portray we get the to, whole thing. We and you could say, I give that chance to be like, Tim five. could be Alec and Baldwin. Can, can this I, is really a non sequitur. Could I say that line of his in, in I would, uh, The Untouchables? I would, I would hunt yeah, Macy's. I would you. hunt Macy's <laughs> as well. So, you like Macy's. So put you the little green sucker up there. And I'd say, look, yes, I do like Macy's. 
If you look valuation compelling, maybe they've turned the boat around, the stock's gotten beat up, so it's worth a hunt here. Oh, it's exasperating playing this game with you guys. Pardon me? Exasperating. Yeah, I thought that's Our next guest has two of his own high dividend stocks that he thinks are heading for a breakout. More on the markets as well as the stocks that go off the charts with Rob Slimer of Fundstrat. Hey, Rob. Hey, Melissa. So let's start with the S&P. We'll look at the 10-year bond yield, and then we'll look at a couple of ideas. So if we start with the S&P, and we look at this indicator in the bottom panel, it's a proprietary indicator we have, and it tracks the percentage of stocks with rising weekly momentum. So how many stocks are moving up on a weekly chart? And if we go back to 2016, because we still think that's an analogy, when that indicator got above 90%, it's a relatively rare reading. It tends to happen around major cycle lows, so we'll call that a good overbought. Market is still early on in a bull cycle, but it's heading for a pause. In fact, if we look at what happened as we came off those levels uh, at the end of the first quarter of 2016 into the beginning of the second quarter, we really went sideways for two, three, four months. So we think that there's a similar setup developing here. Coming into the end of last week, it was at 92%. The market's getting a little bit extended, at least from a tactical standpoint. We're still bullish long-term. We want to be buying any sort of pause and accumulation or distribution that develops over the next couple of months. But uh, we think we're, we're heading for a pause. So this data looks very similar to 2016. We think as we move into the second quarter, as a lot of these stocks get superheated, growth stocks, semiconductors and whatnot, we're going to be wanting to get a little bit more into defensive names just as a tactical <coughs> multi-month trade. So let's take a look at the 10-year bond yield. It's obviously come down a long way. There's two things here. One is this momentum indicator in the bottom panel, just a simple RSI looking at a 14-week. It's starting to get oversold. And while this chart here, this line at the top, is the downtrend that comes all the way, that goes all the way back to the beginning of the 1980 highs, and that's where the market stalled in 2007, and that's where the market stalled in 2000, at the end of 2018. So what do we do here? There's a, it's a little bit tough to see, but in this band here between, call it 250 and 2%, sort of in the middle of that band, two and a quarter to 250, we don't think there's tremendous amount of downside in bond yields, particularly given this momentum indicator, this weekly indicator that tends to track multi-week moves is getting oversold. So while the equity market's red hot, we've got, again, growth stocks working, we've got semis working, what do you do? I'm going to come back to a name we've talked about before because I think as you go into the second quarter, these names that have been pushed down, that have been avoided as the growth stocks have rallied are going to be pretty timely. And I just think that Pfizer coming right back to the 200-day as we get into the second quarter is going to be a timely place to be. It's lagged considerably, so if we're going to get any rotation as, as we get to the end of the quarter, I think that's one name to take a look at. And then Verizon is sort of a con controversial name, but again, it's just coming off that 200-week moving average, or 200-day moving average, and that relative strength is starting to firm. You got a 4% dividend on Verizon, you got a 3.4% uh, percent dividend on Pfizer. I think those are great names for a few months in the second quarter. All right, Rob, why don't you come on over? Bring them Sweet. in. Shoot Evan, him, Evan right? will bring the chair why? in. Because oh. if you shoot, that's a good oh, that's thing. That's right. You're hunting him. You're hunting him. Thank you, Evan. Shoot him. All right. <laughs> You'd be great for that team. Before we get more into some of your dividend stocks, Rob, I want to go back to the chart of the 10-year yield where you showed the RSI and you showed that it was looking oversold. Does yes. that imply that you think yields are going to go higher? And would the growth trade in your uh, mind be in jeopardy if rates do go higher? I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of churn as we get into the second quarter. Mm -hmm. Yields have been falling. The market's been going higher. I think that weekly data suggests yields aren't going meaningfully lower. I don't think we're going to have rates going down below 2%. That's my, my view based on what I see on the chart. And then we get into this churn period. 
As that starts to happen, I think a lot of the growth stocks are due for a pause. They've just run a long way. If you look at uh, you know software names, Adobe we saw last week begin to churn around. We saw Nike today after hours. A name like Keys, for example, a 5G play, has just been red hot and screaming. Those stocks, I think, are going to get set for a pause and sort of pull back. There's risk for some earnings disappointment going into the second quarter. So does that mean that you think the S&P 500 won't recapture its previous record? I think it's going to churn for a couple of months before it accelerates at the end, in the second half of the year. Yeah, so Robert, if you look at the Treasury yield curve and you look at the parts that actually have not moved as much, um, do you think that there's some sense that the yield curve could actually strengthen again if the Fed comes back into play? But back to what does that mean for the overall market? Would that change your view on anything here? Uh, I th- my guess is the curve, it's going to take some time before it starts steepening again and sort of speculating. We don't have any evidence of that mm-hmm. technically yet. So I think as we move into the second half of the year, a lot of our concerns about the economy slowing down, earnings slowing down, that's all going to get reflected in the stocks. And the curve starts steepening, you're actually probably going to go back to more cyclical names. Like banks. And, and, and even the banks. But that's in the back half of the year. We still got to get through this churn period. And all the growth stocks are setting up for a little bit of pause from what I can see technically. Now, Rob, I know that you came early to the show, so I don't know if you were listening very closely. Did you listen to the rules of the game oh, that yes. we were playing? Oh, yes. Okay, because we want to give you a bonus round. Come after on, really. here we go. Let's go. Yeah, Rob Slimer with a bonus a round at, at the end of the desk. AT&T, you hunt it or let it fly? I'll, I, I guess if I'm going with Verizon, I've got to go with AT&T, so I'm going I'm to hunt it. You're nice. Hunt it. Nice. Well do, done. Do, do the technicals line up with what you're seeing with Verizon? You know what? It's deeply oversold. It doesn't look as good as Verizon, in my opinion. But if I have to pick uh, those names over some of the high growth stocks uh, for the next two months, I'll, I'll take AT&T. All right. Rob, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for playing the game. Playing so, so well, so, so competently compared to some of the other people here on this desk. Phenomenal. Rob Slimer of Funstrat. Uh, Pete, I'll go right back to Yo. you because um, Rob likes both of those. You didn't like AT&T. Would you no. like Verizon instead? No, neither. No, okay. I, I just hate the leverage there. But going back to his Pfizer call, I love that one. I'm in that stock. You got a 3.4% dividend yield out of there. You live 13 times. Everything fundamentally lines up as well. Coming up, Nike getting kicked down after its earnings report. We'll tell you what the CEO just said that's got investors running scared. Plus, CVS uh, getting in on the cannabis craze as it partners with Cureleaf to sell CBD products. Is, the, is this the prescription for profits pot traders have been waiting for? We will explain when Fast Money returns. As you look at, you know, the CBD products, as it's referred to, you know, we're going to be carrying them, you know, in eight states. We're going to be carrying uh, the topical products only. Branded the, the by gels, CVS? Not branded by CVS. And, you know, Jim, you know, anecdotally, we've heard from our customers that, you know, have used those products that, gee, it's helped with, you know, pain relief for arthritis and, you know, other, you know, uh, you know other ailments. So, you know, we're going to walk slowly, but, you know, we think that this is something that customers are going to be looking for and is, you know, part of the health offering. That was a sneak peek of Jim Cramer's interview with CBS Health CEO after the pharmacy giant partnered with Cureleaf to sell CBD products in some of its stores. You can catch the rest of it top of the hour on Mad Money. In the meantime, Cureleaf CEO also just appeared on the closing bell, had this to say about the CBD boom. We are in conversations with many national retailers. Let me frame the opportunity for you. Estimates of, C- of CBD are that it will grow from $600 million this year to $22 billion in three years. So I can assure you every national retailer in the country is trying to figure out this space. And we are having an active dialogue with many of those retailers right now because the American people want CBD. 
Both stocks moving higher today as cannabis continues to go mainstream. So is it time to make some uh, cush cash? buy up all these stocks. Well, I, I tell you, first of all, Cureleaf has had a lot of announcements. They've had a couple acquisitions, some in Eureka that allow their vertically integrated you know, story to continue there. But really, Cureleaf is about building a brand and building a footprint. 800 stores, they're the first one to cut a deal with a big box retailer, puts them in 10 states, in addition to all their own dispensaries. So um, really powerful when we all know that this is about building brands. So, and, and they're doing it, by the way, they're getting distribution at the time. Look, the industry's having a lot of trouble raising capital. Now, there's, there's, there's people paying for equities, but basically, capital is very expensive. This is, you know, doing a deal with one of the biggest distributors in the world um, is exactly where we want to go. This is what we know CBD is, is going to do. We've seen alcohol companies get involved. We've seen tobacco companies get involved. We're seeing retail operations get involved. So to your original question, I think you do have to buy a host of the main names in the cannabis space. And then the rest of them will probably in the next couple of years be absorbed because there's thousands of these companies that will make money. Uh-huh. Some of them, some of them will never make money. You got to buy the branded names sure. that you know. It seems like this is a much more of a sure thing as opposed to the partnerships with some of the alcohol companies. I mean, it is still a challenge, for instance, to suspend THC into mm. a drink. I mean, it's, it's oil-based. It's not an easy thing to do, so they've got to get over that. Also, the FDA hasn't yet had issued any rules when it comes to food and either CBD or food and THC, for right. that matter. And so that's, I mean, if these guys can get into uh, CVS now with just these lotions and topical treatments, eventually when the FDA... Pro- puts out guidelines on food, et cetera, I mean, that could be a whole new market for them in term, and, and a huge leg up on distribution. Well, I'd even Those say that gives them the products. credibility, right? I mean, I, I, obviously, if they get in now and then going forward, once they've presented themselves, right. and as long as they're living up to all the obligations they've got and, and everything that the FDA is going to have on top of them, it's going to be great because they are, you know, you're always looking for the first enter. It's like Netflix, right? I mean, Netflix still has that moat. Those that can get in, I think, have that moat. I would just say they're building a wellness kind of approach, and that's different. They're, they're, it's less about recreational, I would say. Yes. And, and by the way, hemp is rushing ahead of cannabis and THC in capital markets. I can just tell you there's a ton of deals coming through now. All right, coming up. Check out shares of Nike falling after hours. We will hear from the CEO in just a few minutes about its quarter. Plus, biotech booming as a group is having its best quarter since 2013. But will one bad egg in the space sicken this rally? We've got all the details right after the break. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert. Uh, Nike hitting an after-hour session lows. Uh, let's get to Eric Chemi back at headquarters with the latest. Eric. That's right, Melissa. So the stock is down after hours, and CEO Mark Parker was on the conference call just a few minutes ago. When you're listening to him, though, it almost sounds like you're listening to a tech company and their earnings rather than a shoe company. He talked about their focus on innovation pipeline, their digital direct-to-consumer channels, the self-lacing shoes. Those have been a big hit, and the company's finding increased gains as they spend more money on technology. Here's what CEO Mark Parker had to say just a few minutes ago. We're seeing the early wins pile up in our digital transformation, and it's bringing scale to every facet of our triple-double strategy. What's so exciting is the more we invest in stronger digital capabilities, the more growth opportunities we uncover. Parker also focused on how big their growth in China is as those consumers continue to crave Nikes. It's been a much hotter area for the company relative to its domestic U.S. business. Melissa, back to you. All right, Eric. Thank you. Eric Chemi in the newsroom. Pete, why is the stock so low? 
I think just the fact that, for me, valuation's been one of the issues. And this thing's had an absolutely incredible run. I mean, we all look at it from the last earnings cycle. We had the Greater China numbers that surprised everybody, shocked them. And they continue to kill it when it comes to the absolute Internet side of things as well. So are they doing everything right? Yes. Is their free cash flow great? Yes. Everything seems to check the box. The one thing is, when you look at the valuation, they do have great growth. But that valuation, when you start to push towards 27, 28, 30, that's pretty high, Mel, for what we're talking about in this category. And so I think on a pullback, I think Nike is a great opportunity. Why is it up? Uh, um, why North down American season? sales. I think North American sales disappointed. That's still where most of the, well, that's where the lion's share of their revenues come from. But the China numbers, two quarters in a row now are great. And last night we said digital transformation. Did you just hear that SOT? That's inside television stuff. And the folks saying, what's a SOT? That's sound called on sound tape. on tape. Although and there's no more tape anymore. Pardon me? There's no tape anymore. Well, something like that. And he said digital <laughs> transformation. Inventories only grew 1%. They had 7% growth in terms of sales. I understand valuation of concern. I think it's North American sales. I think you buy the pullback. 24% uh, FX neutral currency growth, FX or currency free growth in China to me um, is extraordinary. And so much for the, the pushback on American brands. Innovation at Nike is back. And I know that sounds crazy to talk about with, we usually we talk about tech companies, but, but clearly that is allowing these guys to have major pricing power. And frankly, that was gone for a long time. That's why North America is picking up. I'm along the stock. It was such a big move. I, I don't think, you know, this just not be a surprise to see this pullback. The original reason why Nike spi- spiked higher was because it was recovering in North America sales way back on the chart. And if you look at it now, to Guy's point, I think that's the reason why it's showing a, a lot of headwinds. Oddly enough, though, under Armour, which no one gets really bulled up about, has outperformed even into this print and now is grossly outperforming Nike. So keep a look at Under Armour because that chart looks like it's rolling over as well. But if that stabilizes, could be an interesting play here. All right. Coming up, Biogen having its worst day in almost 15 years after pulling the plug on one of its highly anticipated Alzheimer's drugs. We'll tell you how much worse could get when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Biogen, a major buzzkill today as that stock uh, fell nearly 30% for its worst session in nearly 15 years. The stock cratering after the company pulled the plug on its highly anticipated Alzheimer's drug. The move sending the IBB ETF that tracks the space sinking today, although it is still on track for its best quarter since 2013. Is the Biogen bust just the tip of the iceberg for a bigger sell-off in this space? Grasso. You could have that, and this is why I'm I'm a firm believer that you have to buy the IBB. So even though that was affected because it's the third top holding within the IBB, it's better than having the binary bet on Biogen independently of owning the rest of the space. So if you don't know the space, if you can't follow it, if you're not a doctor, none of us are, and if you're an average investor and don't have any real insights on that, you buy the index, you buy the ETF versus the single stock. The reason why I would disagree with that is because <clears throat> Alzheimer's is sort of the holy grail, and none of these companies have been able to figure out Alzheimer's. So, you know, that's why I think this is specific to Biogen. So I wouldn't impugn the rest of the space. The rest of the space. But this sell-off, does it feel like oh, too much? Um, I mean, I look at it as 30% sell-off on this news. But a whole potential franchise just got written down to zero. The, well, the potential of that drug. Right, exactly still are, right, that drug. That drug, which and, was a and, big and number. And that was where there was a lot of, there was also us, arguably growth projections priced right. in as well. But let's look at a company that still makes $23 a share before this, without, without this in there. And all of a sudden, you look at it trading $230, it's like... It's a 10 PE, right? I mean, it's, it, it's gotten very, very inexpensive, I think. I stared at it all day, and the implied volatility of the options never rose enough. I mean, I the mean other, there was nothing there. The other so. question is, could this be the next sell gene? 
in oh, terms of being a target. Does trap. this force them to either be bought or to buy? Right. More to buy than to be bought. I think they're more in a position to buy than to be bought. But okay. that's a fascinating question. I didn't even I, think I like that to try today. And pose fascinating questions. And and, and <laughs> it's a great question. It's a question Finally we've been asking there. for the last yeah. three Finally years, though, in the Go entire home. space. Um, so I mean, it, it, people have been saying we're waiting for the M and A. It's one of the things that's been keeping the mega cap biotech stocks down. It's why actually the smaller names have outperformed. What's that other ETF that has all the smaller the names? XBI. The XBI. Thank Brian you, Kelly Mel. You should actually one. be a trader on Fast Money. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> by the way, breaking 250 on the stock is a big deal, though, because if you look at the chart over the last couple of years, that was the level that actually needed to hold, and it's well through that now. Uh, well, despite the breakdown, options traders are betting that the bio- Biogen bottom may be in. Brian Stutland's breaking down all the action. Hey, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I mean, basically, option activity huge today, trading 23 times normal average daily volume here. What's interesting here, to, to Pete's view somewhat bullish on the stock, is calls outpaced puts, meaning one and a half calls were traded for every put. So it seems like there were some bullish bets. The biggest area strike was the April 2.30 call. Now, there was a lot of small money trades here, but the bigger size trades were buyers here at about $9.30 here. So that's playing to the upside with a break even of 239.30. Anywhere above there, if you had bought a call, you'll, you'll profit. Below there, all, all traders were risking was at $9.30. And when you look at the chart here, that breakdown below 250 here, you have that range all the way down to 206, which is the low. 263 sort of going to be the top end resistance here. And so that's a huge gap, 60 bucks either way that it can move here. And that's why people are using calls rather than stock to sort of make a bullish bet. If there's some sort of acquisition down the pipeline, some sort of change of view, low PE, reasonable time to buy. Traders are using calls to do that to the upside. Pete, see this? I did. I saw, I saw that. But I, and, and to Brian's point, I think the implied volatility is just not there. I mean, it's shocking to me really? to see a stock that pulls down 30 percent. I mean, we don't see that very often. And, and the 30 percent move. And yet the implied volatility doesn't jump so much that it doesn't scare people to say, you know what, I'm going to buy these calls. I was looking to sell calls today against a, maybe a long position. It just wasn't there. All right, Brian, thank you. We'll see you tomorrow for the full show of Options Action, 530 p.m. Oh, by the way, guys, come, come on. All-star show. Marketing calendar. Up next, your your first trade for tomorrow. Final trade. It is time for the final trade today. Pete Nigerian. We started the show with tech. We talked about semis. Marvell, this thing's going higher. Giddy up. You know, I'm going to push back on Pete, and he can't say anything about it because he's already said his piece. (laughs) I'm long AT&T. I think this goes higher. Oh, he's back. Um, The wireless (laughs) business is growing. I think their their Warner Media Group is underestimated. I think some of the parts, AT&T. Steve? Micron had a nice pop, but if you look at DRAM chart, DRAM is still going lower, and Micron just catches up or catches down with DRAM. It's going down. Micron, sell. Do you have a jean jacket guy? Yeah, of course I do. Cut the sleeves off. Nice. Badass. You wear the jean vest? So, no, Tim. Do you ever wear a jean jacket? You wear a jean jacket Vests and jeans? Vests your domain. Listen, and what do you call is, that? This is a mea culpa part of the show. Is that a guy tuxedo? It's a denim suit. It's a, it's a guy we tuxedo. We give Mel a hard time. She's, she went to uni- Harvard University, and we say, you know, bucket Let's shot. Let's talk about Last this. night, anyway, they beat our Georgetown that's boys. That's right. That's in right. In Georgetown. Oh. That's embarrassing. Glam research. Oh. See you back here tomorrow at 5 more fast. Mad Money starts right now. <laughs> This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.